People need to finally start to just wake up, stop waiting for things to just happen to them, mm-hmm. and start acting. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of, you know, of, of seeing people, you know, complain about, about you know, like, oh, my life is so horrible, or like, oh, I wish I had this, or oh, I wish I had that, or like, you know, when's it going to be my turn, when's it going to be this, when's it going to be that? I don't understand why people don't just take it upon themselves to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put in the legwork. I'm going to get up. I'm going to lace up my bootstraps. I'm going to print out my resume. I'm going to get that headshot. You know, I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. Like, just do it. You know, I mean, I don't mean to I don't mean to quote Shia LaBeouf right now. okay? (laughs) but just 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 do it. Um, because I feel Nike. like so many people, so many people nowadays, Mitchell, they, they don't, they just want to sit around. They want to complain, but they don't actually want to put in the work. And mm. if you're, and if you're, if you're going to, if you want something, if you want something that badly that now day in, day out, you are complaining about it, then do something about it. You know, I've been like wanting to 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 write this novel for a while now. Mm-hmm. And I am just now getting to the point where I'm like, you know what? If I want if I want to make this novel, then what is stopping me from do it? The only person that's stopping me from writing this novel is myself. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, same thing with like, you know looking at some some of my friends that make youtube videos they're like they're like oh you know like i wish i could do something like that why are you wishing why don't you go out and do it and i know and i know and i'm and 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 believe me believe me i'm i'm a christian like i believe in god and everything i know not everybody does Mm -hmm. but i believe in god i know that my success comes from him but i also know this right just sitting around on the sidelines and praying and hoping that God is going to take care of you, that is not going to cut it, okay? God gave you the ability to act, right? Gave you the ability, Mm -hmm. like hopefully he's giving you the ability to stand, to walk, to talk, to think, and all this other stuff. So if you have the ability, right, if you are able to do something about it, then you honestly have no excuse but to get up and go for what you want. 
Exactly. He's giving, he's given us free will. Right. Right. And so it's not about, I mean, I understand what you mean. You know, your success goes through him. It comes from him, but it is also about your decision to act. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's, you know, rooted in our culture, Mm -hmm. that, uh, that idea of inaction, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I want it to be handed to me. I want it to be delivered to me. I want it to be brought to me. And it's so, uh, you know, readily available. Everything is readily available. I can instantly download. I can instantly order on Amazon. I can, you know, go puff things directly to my door. I can Amazon fresh my food. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, we think that we can, you know, Amazon fresh my dignity and my <laughs> fulfillment. Like, right. hey, I was looking on Amazon the other day in the marketplace for a dignity. Could you find anything? Of course you're not. <laughs> you have to figure it out. I'm so glad that you brought this up because it it goes in line with what we were saying last time too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like we need to be more considerate, um, caring humans and about ourselves too. Mm-hmm. And I will say there is a difference between self-care and uh, complete lack of just like, I don't know, laziness, lack mm-hmm. of motivation. Right, right. Um, you can take care of yourself and have downtime mm-hmm. while still maintaining, you know, that little bubbling, bubbling fire in you to complete a task, to do something. Yep. And people that don't are, are just jealous of the people that have and have gotten there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I look at it, you know, I also look at it from like a political standpoint, you know, it's like you, you can't be mad at other people for, for always having something that, that you don't have, you know, mm. because sometimes, sometimes it, 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 it can even come from just like you've given up your opportunities before you even started. Sure. You know, I think about, I think about, you know, within the black community, I'm not saying that every black person is like this and I'm not speaking for, you know, all black people in America, <laughs> but as a black man who is lives, who is from the black community, what I notice mm-hmm. is that you have you have people who will sit there. You'll they'll get mad at somebody else for getting something for being successful, and you want to make mm-hmm. fun of them. You know, you want to tear them down instead of trying to build them up. You know, like they're trying to set a higher standard, right? So don't complain right. about this person who's trying to make a higher standard, who's trying to make a difference, who's trying to do everything that they can so that way you might also be successful. Right. Get on, Try to learn from them. Right. Get on that level. Don't tear them down. Now on the flip side of that, right, this person that's up here, if they're trying to tear you down, if anything to me, that's even more incentive to get up off your ass – and work mm-hmm. harder to show them that, like, no, 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 no. You worked hard to get where you're at. I can also work hard to get where you're at. And guess what? I'm going to go above and beyond even that. You know, I, I was thinking about today. I was in the car thinking about this topic. And I was thinking about, um, did you ever watch this show called My Hero Academia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm about to get real nerdy, right? So I'm sitting there. I'm watching My Hero Academia, and there's this character um, named All Might, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into detail about the show. If you want to watch the show, go watch the show. But You should watch the show. You should watch the show. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sitting there, and I'm, right, and I'm, and I'm looking at, like, uh, I'm on YouTube, and I'm looking at the uh, this one fight between the the 
big superhero all might and he's fighting this this bad guy and mm-hmm. he's like oh you know I'm, I'm fighting you but you're you're basically nullifying all of my attacks i'm gonna go beyond your limit right and so mm-hmm. like their their mm-hmm. tagline on the show is go beyond plus ultra and i love that you know, I love I love that so much. Like ever since the show, like that has be- kind of become my mantra now of go beyond plus ultra, go beyond your own limits, push past your own limits. Don't just sit there. Don't just wait for things to happen. Go beyond it. Right. Don't defeat yourself before you even get a chance to step up to the plate. Go beyond and then some go beyond plus ultra. Mm. You know, I was listening and then I was in the car. I'm, I'm thinking about this. Right. And then I'm sitting in the car and I'm listening to my man, Serengeti, who one day I hope is on the show because it's awesome. Oh my God. But my man, Serengeti, he has this song called um, Bang Em. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's on the Kenny Dennis LP. You got to listen to it. It's the first track. And it's literally it's just this dude. He's just like for like five minutes. You like him. You bang him. You like him. You bang him. Sometimes you don't like, him, <laughs> but you still bang him. And like he says and like he breaks it down at the end. He's like, look, this is about, you know, if you want something, do it. You like it, you bang it. Right. You got to yeah. get up and do something. You got to get up and do something. And I and I don't know. I don't know what it is, Mitchell, but like I came into this year, um, you know, into teaching and I just kept thinking about that i must have listened to bangham like every day on the car ride to school and just thinking you know what i'm gonna go beyond what i did last year i'm gonna go beyond plus ultra now does that mean i do everything perfectly no (laughs) you know end of the quarter end of the quarter i'm still trying to get grades in right but i'm working my butt off I'm at least trying. I'm not letting myself become defeated. And I feel like in this society nowadays, we are just we are becoming a, just a defeatist society. And we yeah. need to get and we need to get past that. Right. You know, we talk about making America great again. We can't make America great again if the whole if all of America is having a defeatist attitude. Well, and I think it's also that we're, we're looking for someone else to be our hero. Oh, right? yeah. Instead of looking at ourselves as our own hero. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of just to use your, um, you know, mention of make America great again. I think that that's why the American people chose Trump because he we felt like he could be our hero. He could Mm -hmm. speak, um, you know, for not for me, certainly, but he could (laughs) speak, you know, in a way that we felt we couldn't. Right. Exactly. Um, which is just debilitating ultimately because you're waiting for someone else to make the first move. And if you're waiting for someone else to make the first move, what moves are you making? You're making nothing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I feel you, man. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. (laughs) Oh man. It's, it's been way, like I said, man, it's been weighing on my mind heavily. I didn't know exactly what it was, but then as soon as, you know, I think as soon as like Monday happened, I think that's when I started to, to really kind of dig in on this topic and just be like, you know what? Someone needs, someone needed to hear that this week. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully one of the, uh, one of the subscribers that started listening to not so famous to make it one of, uh, uh, the best variety show talk podcasts, um, to listen to new, <laughs> new and up and coming. Cause the, the numbers, man, the numbers of shares and Facebook likes, 
Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I'm just so humbled by the incredible outpouring yeah. of support that we have gotten. The number of downloads, the number of shares, the number of likes. Thank you, listeners, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, hell, I mean, you know, talking about needing to hear it. I, yes, listeners, I hope you needed to hear it, but I needed to hear it too. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, um, man. It's to balance out that self-care, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I feel like people are like, well, just take care of yourself. Or like, just take the day off. I'm like, no, that's not what I need. I actually mm-hmm. need to do the opposite. I need to finish the task. I need to do the thing that is bothering me so I yep. can get to the root of it, get to the end of it, file it, put it away, and call it done. Right. That's what right. will release the stress for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I absolutely think, you know, the call to action, the call to arms was needed. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Spe- speaking of the call to arms, um, what's the word? Let's get right into it. Um, have you been watching Daredevil? Oh, dude, of course I of course I have. Got a question that. <laughs> Good. I mean, everybody's watching Daredevil, but there's a lot on TV right now. Man. Especially Netflix. There's too much on TV. I, I'm still, I gotta still catch up and cry on This Is Us. Oh my god, I can't. I, I just I, I see the commercials that basically encourage you. They're like, "Get the tissue box." And I'm like, "I can't. <laughs> I can't subject myself to that." Bro, I I start I binge-watched. I tried to binge-watch them and by like episode 2, I was crying, right? <laughs> and when um and it's not really spoiling. It's not really spoiling anything if I say this. I mean, the show's been out for a while, but oh, um, no. Um. Uh, uh. Uh. What's his name? The the dad. I forget. I forget his this the actor's name. Um, You're really not going to spoil anything. I mean, you can't even remember his name. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> the dad, Jack. Um, Big Jack. Um, as they call okay. him on the show. He. Um, you find out like early on in the first episode. You find out he's dead, and um, and that like you see like flashbacks of the kids of the of the adults when they were kids and then you see them mm-hmm. as adults dealing with you know being being adults essentially um mm-hmm. and the episode last season where they reveal like how he died bruh i it was like the <laughs> first five minutes right mm-hmm. and 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 no good was it like he doesn't die in the first five minutes but I sat there thinking so much that, like, like, oh, my God, this is how he died. Like, we've been teasing it for, like, <laughs> two seasons. And, like, because they keep mentioning, like, how he died. And, like, but they don't uh-huh. go into detail because, of course, everyone is scarred from it. Of course. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, like, watching it. And it's, like, five minutes in. And he doesn't die yet. And I'm like, I called my mom and I was like, Mama, I'm watching This Is Us and I can't watch anymore because I can't watch this guy die because he feels like a dad to me now. Like, <laughs> so I, Damn. so I haven't, so I haven't watched this season, but I really, really want to. But again, there's so much, there's so much TV. And like you said, so much TV on, on Netflix, um, Daredevil. Holy crap, dude. This is a great, great season. This season is is pretty incredible, and I'd like to say it gets off to a pretty incredible start mm-hmm. right from the get go. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it starts crafting um, something that is so coherently in the universe that they've already built. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I literally, you know, a couple of nights ago, I turned it on and I was like, I should really, you know, it's late, I should go to bed, but let me just like pop in this first episode and see what it's about. Sure. Um, 
And I started it, and, you know, it starts with listeners, if you've checked it out, uh, I'm not going to try and spoil anything because I know it's it just literally came out last week. Right. Um, but it starts, you know, with him falling in the building and him and Electra, um, just where it left us off last season. And, you know, he wakes up out there, um, like, past, you know, having been dispersed out into like the bay or the sea or wherever we are Mm -hmm. um and i was just like holy shit i remember literally everything that happened just from watching that yeah yeah you know like just the little things there's a moment later on where um wilson fisk is in prison right and i you know all of those scenes are are incredible Mm -hmm. but there was just this one you know he had his scene and he was incredibly uh introspective and feeling and then it kind of panned around his face and like you know we were looking at him head on and then we looked we were looking at his profile and then we were looking at the back of his head and some uh opera music like that fugue that he always listens to Mm -hmm. started playing in the score Mm -hmm. and it was him looking at the white wall and i suddenly remembered like season one when he bought the painting Right. right from vanessa from his girlfriend that he now cares about so much that was this white wall and it was him staring at this wall when he was a kid. And I, I got that moment and I was like, this is incredibly crafted TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just from that, I like got chills. I was like, Oh, I <laughs> um, they did a great job. Really... They did a great job with cinematography on, on this particular season. I felt, um, just like every, every scene is just, I mean, there's, there's something every, every, every shot, tells a different story you mm-hmm. know and it's like and it's and it's not even just like it's the same way you know someone like alfred hitchcock would film his scenes you know there was never like a frivolous scene you could tell like every every single shot was thought about it was calculated um and it all just serves the purpose of the story um, and I think they're getting even better about it too, because these episodes are honestly shorter. You know what? Um, I've noticed. I I felt the same way. I wasn't sure if that was just me kind of reading into things. No, but they they are the like the first episode is only like forty seven minutes or something mm-hmm. like that, and the second episode is only like fifty one. And you know, usually I, I remember watching the first season and even like the first season of Punisher, and they were like an hour five, an hour. Six, mm-hmm. um, you know, including the credit music and things like that. Um, but it's still, it's very interesting. I think they're just getting more and more succinct. And this is also, you know, a character that's, it's on his, he's on his third season. It's right. the only character that they are on to their third season with. And, and this one's dark too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And I, th- I think it makes sense that these are a little shorter because if it was this dark for, an hour and ten minutes every episode. I don't know that I'd be able to handle it, you know? Well, that seems to be the, the trend for all of the Netflix shows in this current, like, in this post-Defenders world, where, you mm-hmm. know, Jessica Jones was very dark. Uh, Luke Cage mm-hmm. Luke Cage ends very dark and very bleak. Um, Iron Fist doesn't, didn't end dark, um, but there were some, there were definitely, like, internal elements um, especially yeah. like with him dealing with Davos that I'm just like, man, this is, this is really intense. And like, of course he's dealing with who is he, you know, he's not like we said, I think we said last in the last episode, you know, he's not Asian. Um, he doesn't right. necessarily, 
you know, belong in this, in this, you know, the rich white boys club. Um, right. So who is he? Um, well, and I think that this, you know, this kind of darkness is in, in Iron Fist, at least, it was more about the darkness of, like, the other side of mysticism, mm-hmm. right? It was about, like, the the, the tattoo sisters and, like, the right. weirdness of the ritual and the bleeding and the blood, whereas, like, Daredevil is about being a broken man, like, yeah. having your bones broken and having to mend them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of dark. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I'll also say that it's a different kind of dark than um, what is being portrayed in the DCEU. Mm-hmm. And I just want to touch on this for a minute because I feel like you'll have words. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, because if, listeners, if you haven't checked out Popcorn Prattle yet, you should. There's an awesome segment that you guys touch on all the time called Go Home, DC, You're Drunk. <laughs> And personally, I don't agree with it all right. the time. But I still, I think it's a very interesting perspective. And so I want to hear your thoughts hmm. a little bit on how, well, why does Marvel get to be so dark with these TV shows? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why is it somehow better than the DCEU? Like, everybody makes fun. They're like, oh, my God, Batman, he's always trying to be so dark. And, like, oh, you know, Justice League, they really had to lighten it up with Joss Whedon mm-hmm. on the team before it was really acceptable. But why is that version of dark so drab and boring and this version of dark so, like, edgy and cool? What are, you, I think, what are your thoughts? I think it's because this is, even though it is... Um I mean, I think we have to remember, even though the MC, even though the Netflix MCU shows are within the MCU, it does fe- mm-hmm. it does feel disconnected from the larger universe, right? In the larger yeah, universe, we've got Iron Man, which is grounded. We have Captain America, grounded Hulk, mm, starting to get a little ungrounded, but all right. Then you've got Thor. And then you brought in the Avengers and you brought in the Jatari. You've brought in Doctor Strange. You've brought in the Gardens of the Galaxy. So you've, mm-hmm. you've earned the right to have more like really kind of like fun comic booky elements, right? Sure. But these, these Netflix shows, they I think remind people of the Dark Knight. These shows are a lot more grounded. You know, they definitely still have, um, they definitely still feel like, you know, you're watching a comic book show, Um, but it's, it feels different than like watching arrow or watching the flash or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. It feels like you're watching. It definitely feels like you're watching, you know, the dark Knight, but with actual superpowers this time, Um, even Jessica Jones, who out of everybody is probably the one that is most like a superhero. You know, in, mm-hmm. in the traditional sense. Um, sure. And you don't see that that often. You see her doing more detective work than anything else. Um, and so for me... I was going to say, so does it, like, relate back to your earlier point, I think, on the last episode where you were talking about, like, how it differs from being, like, a superhero movie versus, like, a comic book movie? Exactly. Or, like, that kind of feel? Like, the, I mean, they're heroes, yes, except for, like, Daredevil was wondering where his powers are this season. Mm-hmm. Or, like, he's still trying to get off, uh, um, you know, out of the, the church and back onto his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It feels more of like a, I don't know even what to call it, not a mystery show, but it it's a lot about the, the guilt that he's going through, yeah. the the surviving, mm-hmm. 
Mm. Whereas, like, you know, Jessica Jones is, like, a mystery show first. Yeah. And, like, Luke Cage is kind of like a drug lord show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's definitely, yeah, I mean, I'm, I follow that. I, I agree, I suppose. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, not to say that, that the DCEU can't do that, um, but mm-hmm. I think that they are struggling to find their own identity post-Dark Knight. And how do you balance that, but with, like, the actual comic book elements of your of your franchise you know sure i mean i mean we we talk about batman and how he's just a regular guy but people people forget like batman has stood toe to toe with gods you know yeah like he's you know he's fought people like dark side um so and won right so for you to say i mean if you i mean if you're if your source material is saying that this average human being can do something like that um right. then it can't be the like the dark knight bruce wayne that dark knight batman he's never going to mm-hmm. go up against dark side ever he would get killed no. um right batfleck I believe that it's just that he's poorly written because they wanted him to get, I feel, I feel like they were trying so hard to get him away from the dark Knight, you know, in Christian, in Christian Bale's background when in actuality, Uh it's like, no, you need the, you need the, you know, internal conflict of Christian Bale's uh, Bruce Wayne, but with the comic book strength of your Batfleck. If you could just marry the mm-hmm. two together, you might have the perfect Batman. But you have yeah. to feel comfortable, you know, going that route. You know, it, it can't all be just, you know, uh, hokey comic book stuff or, you know, you, you know, you're trying to make it grounded. But you've you're saying early on that you have people like Superman around. Well, or you're trying to play both sides, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think they're trying to create, like, yeah, we can be heroic and, like, you can sit back in awe as you watch Henry Cavill, you know, fly around and be the Man of Steel. And you can see Gal Gadot, like, fucking kill it as <laughs> Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we're also supposed to believe that Batman can fight Darkseid, but also just kind of, like, falls over. <laughs> Um, unless like (laughs) lois lane is there to help him Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i think that they're confused and i also think that they are trying to balance you know i agree that the marvel shows feel disconnected from the um cinematic universe that they've created Mm -hmm. but i will say it feels more connected at least in my mind than the dc shows do to the dceu like I love Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. Black Lightning is like my favorite DC show right now, mm-hmm. but it does not line up with like the the larger DCEU at all. Did you hear there was um I don't know if you on YouTube if you know um uh, film theory the film mm-hmm. theorists. So he yeah. he actually had a theory about that. Um, oh, where that you know in order to save pretty much save the DCEU. Mm-hmm. They need to think about this. The fact that you have, um, and actually, it might have not been film theorists. Maybe it was Cinema Sense. Someone, one of those two, said it. But okay. they were like, if you look at what they're doing, Warner Brothers has basically made like pocket universe. They've made the multiverse. 
Yeah, they really have. And if you wanted to, if you wanted to pull the trigger of mm-hmm. your multiverse, you could do Crisis on Infinite Earths and have oh. and actually have something that Marvel can't do, which is right. have your TV show characters show up in your films and have your film characters show up in your in your TV shows um and kind of make this big cinematic event that no other comic book series can do. Well, and maybe they are moving towards that because there are quite a lot of crossovers right now with, you know, like Supergirl into Arrow and into Flash and mm-hmm. all of them getting together in DC Legends of the Universe, you know, all of those things. I think that that would be the natural progression. Mm-hmm. I just think that maybe the executives at Warner Brothers <laughs> need to fucking realize that. Right, right. Um, which is a completely separate story. Mm-hmm. But you know what, though? You, you kind of kind of segueing a little bit. Um yeah. Because it feel it feels so strange talking about TVs and films, not a popcorn rattle. But oh, true, true. But um, you know, kind of kind of in line with that, I feel like not everything needs to be. It can be in the same universe, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily have to be connected um, per se. So there is like, uh, so I started watching the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Okay, yes, right. Happy Halloween, yeah, right. Happy Halloween, um, and I. Uh, I love this show, dude. Like this show is so good. Um, it's kind I heard of, it's way different. I heard it's like very creepy, scary. Yeah, it is nothing like the Melissa Joan Hart version <laughs> at all. It's, Which is awesome. Yeah, it's um, it feels like um, a PG thirteen version of American Horror Story. Yeah, which is okay, interesting. Yeah, which I don't, and I don't say that as a bad thing because to me, American Horror Story, except for this this season currently going on, which I find fantastic. Um, Uh I feel like the, I feel like, uh, American horror story can sometimes be a little bit much in like sexualizing things. It's like, Oh, it's like game of Thrones. It's like, mm, you know, they don't really need to be in the whorehouse right now to do the scene. Like you could have just done the scene any place, any place else. Like, I feel like you're just doing this for ratings. Um, and with the chilling adventures of Sabrina, like, yeah, you have sex in there. Um, but it is more about, um, just the mystery and Sabrina, uh, dealing with, um, cause in this, in this particular series, Sabrina's turning 16 and, okay. and she has to participate in what's called the dark baptism because, mm. because they like everybody, all the witches are Satanist. Oh yeah. Like they're like, there's, they're all Satanists and they worship, they worship the devil and they're like, sign your name in the, in the black book. And, you know, and she has to choose, you know, are you going to be immortal and not have powers or are you going to serve Satan and have powers? And she's like, why do I have to choose? And it, and there's, and it's, it's dark, but there's so mm-hmm. many funny moments in this in this in the series. They do a great job of balancing the two. Um, cool. I, it kind of sucks that Salem, who was one of my favorite characters in the Melissa Joan Hart version, he doesn't talk. Uh-huh. Oh damn! Right, but he's but he's like a he's he's in every episode. Number one and number okay. two, he's a goblin. And that, oh, and he just like he's like a familiar. He like takes the yes, yes, yeah, like the appearance of a cat. Mm-hmm. Like that's cool. Yeah, he shows up in episode one um, because they're like, you need a familiar for your dark baptism, and so she goes out and she goes hunting for one, 
And Salem shows up in her room one night and then turns into a cat. Huh. Yeah. And it's just um and it's like I said, it's just it's it's a very cool um show. Like I highly encourage you guys um to watch it. I know by the time this episode posts, Halloween will be over. Um but the fun part is is that it's only part one. So there's Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. So they're only so I only did half the season right now. Um Oh cool. Which I think they should do more often. I think they I think they would get more mileage out of a show if they broke it up into like part one, part two. It does make me a little scared because they did that with the get down, and then they came, mm-hmm. and then they canceled it. I was going to say the only thing is I, viewers might not want to wait, considering that's the cool thing about Netflix. You release all the episodes at once. Mm-hmm. If you stop doing that and really start to play into like part one and part two, right. I don't know how excited people are going to be. Right. But they, but you, but you know what though? I mean, it's like to me and I, and I want to kind of see what the schedule like is for Riverdale because if you, mm. because the audience, if you're not familiar, so Sabrina actually takes place in the Riverdale universe. But there's oh. no, but there's only one reference to it. Well, there's like three apparently, but I don't watch Riverdale, so I didn't know the other ones, the other two. Gotcha. Um, but they ask like these, um, these like minor antagonists called the Weird Sisters, who are fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. They ask them like these uh, football players, like, "Hey, you got you girls from Riverdale," and that's it. And they just keep they just keep it going. Um, so you know it's in the same universe as like Archie and them. Um, Mm -hmm. but it is, it's disconnected and it doesn't feel, it's like the, it's like the MCU, the Netflix shows just feel different from the main series, but you know that they're there. I was going to say, I wonder if you're right and the schedule for Riverdale will kind of line up and maybe that's what part two will be them like kind of crossing over a little bit more into each other's universes. That would be interesting. Well, they, they did say that they weren't. Um, they weren't like trying to cross them over, but uh-huh. but I thought about this from a marketing standpoint. So like me right now, I want to mm-hmm. watch Riverdale hmm. because I watch Sabrina. I'm like right. I'm like oh Sabrina was pretty good. Like and I know people have talked about Riverdale before. Um, right. So I'm like oh let me check out Riverdale. So I'm like if Sabrina's on and then it ends and it's like Riverdale's premiering this weekend. Okay, I'll watch Riverdale. Great. Riverdale's ending. Here's the second part of Sabrina. And you just go back and forth, you know, it's like I Mm -hmm. that might be some smart marketing. I don't know. Um, I need I need a I need a job. (laughs) (laughs) You have a job. I know. I know. Um, and I know Karen's probably like, you have a job, show up for work tomorrow. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, and I am excited to check out Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because I, I have less of a job than you, but somehow I have not been able to start it yet. Uh Um, but I'm also excited for it because like, I love scary stuff, Mm -hmm. but I, a lot of my time to watch things is like late at night. Yeah. And that's hard for anybody, even if yeah. you love scary stuff. Like, I'm not trying to watch something at 2 a.m. before I go to sleep. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I will be up the whole night. Um, 
which I have heard that just briefly um, touching on this for, I mean, Halloween's sake, The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. I, I have heard just such good things about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have heard that there's almost no jump scares, which actually makes me more frightened because that's how you know something is really scary. Yep. If they don't have to, like, rely on a cheap trick to get mm-hmm. you to be scared and they actually have something that is genuinely terrifying. Right, right. I, I just keep being like, yeah, and like on Sunday, maybe when I have some time and it's like during the day, I'll start watching it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I, I'm excited. I, I think it's pretty great that Netflix is, it always surprises me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's Halloween time. And then they're like, yeah, here's three new shows. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, I'm like, they, wait, what? They went Where out, have you guys been? Yeah, they went all out this uh, this October. I don't remember them doing this last year. I don't remember this either, although maybe that was like the Riverdale or something. You know, they were doing mm. something that we just didn't pick up on. But right. regardless, I think it's it's gained a lot more traction this year. Yeah, most definitely. And they Netflix is weird with its, like, teasers and trailers. Mm-hmm. I, I always feel like they're like, oh, you know, it's a week before we're going to release this, and here's the first Daredevil trailer. And mm-hmm. you're like, wait, what? It's next week? Like, I always forget. <laughs> right. Um, which is why I was really surprised that we actually got on today on Halloween, the recording of this episode, we got, um, the teaser for the Witcher Netflix series yeah, yeah. with Henry Cavill as Geralt and listeners. I know you can't see me, but my face is completely lit up because I love <laughs> the Witcher. Um, I am literally standing up right now. I'm so excited. Um, it's my favorite video game of all time. It's a, it's based on, you know, a Polish uh, novel series. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And yeah. this little teaser is of just Henry Cavill in this amazing wig and costume. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks great. Walking. It looks so good. Yeah. Like, the production value is killer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he just walks up, looks in the camera. And then, like, pulls out a potion and drinks it. And I was like, holy mother of God. Like, I'm so excited. Um, But it's not supposed to come out until next year sometime. Like, at least a year away. Yeah, take your time with it, you know? Take your time with it. Do it right. Um, Netflix is, I mean, they're pulling out all the stops trying to to compete with all these other streaming services. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, I mean, I think they're losing... I mean, there's, the jury's still out as far as why they dropped Iron Fist and Luke Cage. But, I mean, there's there's potential that, you know, maybe it's going over to the Disney streaming service. Um, yeah, which I think would be, a, you know, a good idea and only time will tell. I think it's to compete with the, the DC streaming service. Right, know? right. Um, but on top of all this, can I just say, like, on top of, like, all these different TV shows... Um, video games are killing it right now as far as, like, the choices out. Um, Dude. Most notably, Red Dead Redemption 2, which mm-hmm. neither of us have, but no. we've both just heard great things about this game. Well, it's impossible not to. I mean, you're completely right. It's probably... This is the best season for video games yeah. that I can remember in my life. Mm-hmm. We are in a golden age of video game um, happenings. Right. I mean, we have just had so many uh, amazing games start to come out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we Spider-Man, right? Like we talked about last week. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I would like to say 
I have not played a single story mission in probably about a week and a half, mm-hmm. and I think I'm like 40 hours in. Oh, jeez. Like, I, I, it's such a huge world, and I can get lost in it. Yeah, and yeah. And I think it's pretty incredible that then we have Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out, which is apparently the biggest open world game yet. Mm-hmm. Filled with, you know, all sorts of things. I hear that your horse... You know, eats, sleeps, shits. You have to feed it. You have to feed yourself. Uh, um, the, the you know the mechanics of the game are to to figure out. It'll be like it'll take you on a mission and then show you how to fish. Mm-hmm. And then you know, people. I was talking to a coworker of mine, uh, and he was like, "I bought it for my son." And I was watching him play, and I came to look at him, and he was just like fishing. Right. And I was like, "What?" You're fishing in a video game? And he was like, yeah, I've been fishing for hours. <laughs> and it was one of those things. It's like that. It, we are approaching a new level of gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we? Um, and Fallout is coming out. Fallout 76 is coming out mm-hmm. uh, next month. Or wait, may, is it this month? I think it's like November. No, the beta came out. The beta came the out. The beta came out. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, a great season, but mm-hmm. Red Dead especially, I've just heard such good things about. I'm so excited. I'm going to finish Assassin's Creed and then get Red Dead, and so I'm sure we'll talk about it later. You know what we should do? We hmm. we should, at some point, maybe once we get a little bit more traction, if we get some, get some gamers to listen to us, uh, we should definitely think about streaming something. Oh, absolutely! Right? Like streaming dude, some of these games because, like, I mean, I mean, audience, and I mean, and some, I know some of you are a little bit older that listen to the podcast. Um, I mean, if you, if you could just, there's a reason why people like go on YouTube and just watch people play video games. It's because these games are incredible anymore. Um, just the, just the amount of detail. I mean, I just, I just beat uh, the new DLC for Spider Man. Um, had to like get reacquainted with the controls because I hadn't played it for a while, and mm-hmm. I I cried again at the ending. Um, it oh. it was great, and I I mean the voice acting was spectacular, and just um just the story itself was incredibly well written. I can't wait to see what they do with it. I did wish it was a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but I mean. To me, that's that's a sign of a good game. If I wanted, if I'm like, dang, like that was not long enough. Like I need more time. Um, I was going to say better short great. than sweet. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's still incredible. But also, Spider Man Two uh, was still, and I don't mean the second one. I just mean also <laughs> right. was. You know, it was a pretty long game. It took me, like, 30 hours to beat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The fact that the story alone in Assassin's Creed is supposed to take you about 60 hours. Yeah. Same with Red Dead. It's supposed to take you somewhere between 50 and 70. Mm -hmm. Right? Not to mention the hours of side quests that you can do. Mm -hmm. Which is, it really seems to be, like, the next generation of gaming. We want open world. We want an immersive story that takes us all over a world so that we can really escape into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, What what I think is interesting about Red Dead, and I I can't wait to get my hands on it, is that it does incorporate so many um, facets of everyday life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, when you dive into a pool in a video game of water and you're, like, swimming around, there's going to be, like, a breath meter, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But in most games, it's 
going to be way more extensive than you would be able to ever hold your breath for. But that's right. to be expected. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this game seems to really be like you got to wear the right clothes before you step into a certain area yes. of like tundra or something or you're going to freeze. You're going to face – it's almost like the Oregon Trail, mm-hmm. you know? Right. You're going to get right. dysentery if you don't keep after yourself, <laughs> which is really – Interesting, and I can see myself getting lost for hours and hours. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Well, to kind of to kind of bring this this segment to uh, to a close, uh, just mm-hmm. very briefly, because um, I told Mitchell before the show, I was like, I was like, I was like, we can only talk about this for a little bit because we're going to talk about it on uh, our next episode of Popcorn Prattle. Um, yes, but we, I mean, we would be, I would be remiss if we did not just like briefly mention. Bohemian Rhapsody is coming out this weekend. Hopefully, by the time you guys have listened to this episode, uh, you will have seen it or are getting tickets to go see it. Because first of all, I love Rami Malek; like he is—he's incredible, he's spectacular. And I and just hearing the interviews of him talk about like what he did f- to play Freddie Mercury, where he got he got the caps. Mm-hmm. Like and he would wear them on his teeth, yeah. And he would wear them after Mr. Robot like calls, mm-hmm. you know. And he would like, he's like, I would just practice with it all day. And he is, he's definitely somebody who I think like goes under the radar a lot of times for people. Yeah, like I feel like he's not as well known as what he probably should be. But like, just watch, watch him in Mr. Robot, and you Oof. can just tell like this is a guy who knows his craft, who has taken his time to to create a character that is so fascinating and so interesting. Like, you just want to see... It's almost like watching James McAvoy in Split. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited to see what he does as Freddie Mercury. And, I mean, plus just a chance to, like, you know, listen to a bunch of Queen songs for two hours or something <laughs> yeah. yeah and i mean he really he really did dedicate himself and and he he's a constant reminder to us as actors of what kind of craft this is and what dedication it requires um you know they're actually the songs he's he's not singing because yeah. of course he doesn't have the voice of freddie mercury well he even um, said he didn't even he didn't even want to try like i think they asked him and he was like no just dub me r- Right, but he. I watched an, inter- an interview with him, and he said, even though someone else, it's this artist named Mark Martel, which you should really check him out. Mm. He is incredible. Mm-hmm. He is like a YouTube sensation. Yeah. Um, and he just sang at like the um, halftime show for one of these um, like season opener games, mm-hmm. and he was just incredible. Mm. Um, but Rami, uh, Rami still took uh, voice lessons. Throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing, he was like, yeah, I know someone else was covering my voice, but when I'm performing, like, I still, you know, I had to do all of the, um, I had to make it look like I was singing, right. and I had to be up there on stage, so I memorized all the lyrics, yeah. of course, and, like, I took these vocal lessons and tried to get as close as I could to replicating his voice and his feel and, like, really feel myself and be confident in that, and that that's a, just another level. Mm-hmm. Um I'm so excited to hear what you guys discuss about yeah. on uh, Popcorn Prattle. Most definitely. So, I mean, transitioning into our next segment, A Moment in the Safe Space, mm-hmm. I I want to spend just a little bit of time. I don't want to, you know, talk your uh, uh, ears off, listeners, because I know that these events that I'm going to touch on 
have been weighing on the hearts of all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want this episode to be, you know, a nice escape from it. But I, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't touch on both of them just briefly. It's always good to be informed. It is. Um, so the first thing I want to touch on is the, the Pittsburgh Tree of Life um, synagogue shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't heard, it, 11 people were killed, two were injured, and four officers were injured in, in this assault that lasted about 20 minutes. Um, the perpetrator was this guy named Robert Bowers. He um, had posted a bunch of hate speech online. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, a 46-year-old white truck driver. Um, he had posted like on on white nationalist websites and and right wing websites and uh, apparently it was it was pretty bad. I, I I can't get I can't motivate myself to look at it. Yeah. Um, but he appeared briefly afterwards in court um, where he was released from the hospital so he could appear. Um, and basically, you know, he said he, he waived his rights to hear what he was charged with. Mm-hmm. And then by the time this episode is released, hopefully he's going to, uh, appear in court and we're going to get the case, uh, started. Meanwhile, the, the prosecutor, um, is seeking the death penalty, mm-hmm. um, which he has to get permission from Jeff Sessions, the attorney general. Um, but that apparently seems pretty likely because Trump said in a press conference after it happened, um, quote, unquote, when people do things like this, they should get the death penalty for it done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, it's one of those things that when the death penalty comes up, it's like, shit, we still have that. Right. But it's also like, man, I am so filled with this rage about this. Mm-hmm. shooting mm-hmm. I, I just i don't know how much more i can do i mean i was just in a play this september about school shootings and about feeling violated um you know, you know violating a, a supposedly safe space mm-hmm. and this is exactly what this is the fact that he could come into a place of worship and that we are almost you know we're, we're 80 years past the holocaust yeah. and shit like this is still happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the anti-semitism is absolutely alive and well and real mm-hmm. and it is not just something that white nationalists are clinging on to for a hate symbol generally right. it is also very very specific mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, i i'm just over it i just i don't know i it's one of those things that shootings are very close to my heart um, and it's an issue that I have a lot of opinions about, but more than that, just the, the empathy again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I feel for these families. I feel for these people that were just trying to worship, yeah. um, and weren't given the chance to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because somebody had access to an AR fucking 15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll say this, I'll say this too, you know, it it boils right down to something that I've always said, and I've, and finally, finally, I got a platform that I can I can say this. You know, I if you want to own guns, own guns. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really care about all that. But right. I feel like you know that there is there. We don't look at the root of the problem anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like with something like this. 
the problem, okay, if you don't want to say the problem is guns, well, then what is another problem, all right? Because there is there is an issue because this keeps happening. And the fact that this person felt, right. you know, felt strongly enough about his opinion that he felt like he could go shoot up a place of worship, a place of mm-hmm. peace, like that is an issue. So, yeah. so rather than just you know saying like let's give him the death penalty and let's then sweep it under the rug and never talk it about talk about it again let's look at our communities what are we doing to inform people to educate them to to mm-hmm. rid ourselves of uh of this this white nationalist ideas now will it all will it ever go away no unfortunately racism is indeed ingrained in America's DNA. It's never go- right. it's never going to go away. I wish it would, right? But it's the same thing as like you're always going to have people that are racist, you're always going to have people that are sexist, homophobic, whatever. They are of always course. they're always going to be there. But let's actually start dialogue because I feel like there are so many people that are just are uninformed. And if they wa- yeah. and if they want to continue acting like that, then that's one thing, right? But we, it's like what I said at the top of the show. We have to be proactive. We can't just sit by and hope for the best, or like give everybody guns and then maybe maybe that will fix things. Let's start a dialogue. You know, let's actually sit people down and say, like, what what makes you think this way? What is what right. is it? You know, because I and and I try when when people when I disagree with people online about politics, I'm like, look, if you want to have a conversation with me, let's have a conversation. But let's not do this back and forth thing where we're just making fun of each other's ideas. Let's talk. Well, right. Let's because talk it doesn't about it. solve the problem. Right. It doesn't like that's the whole reason that we have, you know, two two parties in our our democracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the founders didn't want it, but we created it because we thought that, you know, healthy discourse, healthy debate mm-hmm. was worth it. And if you have a different perspective, right, we're going to educate ourselves and your perspective is going to inform my perspective. So hopefully, even if both of our ideas are wrong or incorrect or not the best solution, hopefully by process of elimination, we can find the best solution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's also what I hate that it it has become a bipartisan thing. All politics and and news have become a bipartisan thing, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I feel like part of the reason why uh, Trump got up and said, Hey, well, you know, if there had been armed guards at the synagogue, maybe this could have gone differently. It's all just an attempt to look forward to midterm elections um, because th- there's nothing in a thinking, feeling human being um, that would make them say that mm-hmm. in the face of such a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone can see, literally anyone can see yeah. that this is a tough time for America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if you disagree about gun violence or gun ownership, like you're saying, we need to take a look and address the problem. We need to fix it. We need to take action. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, we're trying to, you know, make sure voters <laughs> vote the way that we want them to vote right. because of fear mongering. And and both sides are doing it. They I are. will say. They are. I I noticed there was a a 
a bit of actual fake news, haha, <laughs> um, that appeared on my timeline on Facebook that I actually ended up sharing because it, it touched me, mm-hmm. and then I found out it was false. That there there was a, a story that ran that this uh, the oldest victim of the shooting, uh, this ninety seven year old woman, um, was a, a Holocaust survivor, mm-hmm. and she was not. Hmm. And I realized, you know, it was like a People magazine article, and most of people's you know, base is liberal. Yeah. And that is motivating them in a different way. And the truth should be able to motivate you. Yes. Yeah. It shouldn't be about making this woman uh, a Holocaust survivor. Right. That shouldn't make me go, wait, I need to make sure I'm registered to vote. You should already be voting. Everybody vote. Everybody get out yep. to the polls. Yep. Um, make your voice heard. And if you, and if you look, if you, and if you don't feel the same way as what we're talking, I mean, obviously we, obviously we agree with each other. Um, (laughs) but if you don't agree, I mean, to me, I'm like, still go out and vote. Yeah. That to me is the truest sense of that's being an American. Being an American is, is being able, feeling comfortable enough to stand up and say, and, you know, and disagree with somebody. Mm -hmm. But having said that, you know, because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to condone what this man did. No. It's like, there is a difference between doing, being an American and disagreeing with somebody and just basically doing what's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then having hate, uninformed hate speech and using yeah. that to tear down somebody else because for some reason you feel superior to somebody else you're not superior to anybody else we're all human beings we're all mm-hmm. we're all running the exact same race and we need to take care of each other to go back what i said you know several times about empathy yeah. we need to be better humans and if you disagree you should absolutely still get out to the polls there are so many wonderfully qualified candidates mm-hmm. um, that are running in races all across america that you know in, in so many different parties yep. you know the green party libertarian party they're all coming up they all have candidates um in many different states many different elections mm-hmm. you should absolutely take a look and just like you're saying marcus get informed yeah. about who you are voting for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they look up one of those quick fix uh, you know on facebook those like have you been procrastinating look at this list and you can find even facebook was doing it yeah. it told me it was like are you ready for the election you should look um look at these candidates and so i you know you go to u.s senate and then it lists the four candidates and some of the major you know things they agree with things they disagree with um just get informed yeah. just get your voice out there it's so important and it is like you said your unequivocal right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know, th- there's also been fear mongering in another issue that I just want to, you know, touch on briefly yeah. again. Um, this migrant caravan. Have you heard about this? I have. Yes. So, you know, as we are recording this, um, we're on day 20, I think, or maybe 21 of this caravan making their way to the southern United States border. Mm-hmm. Um Local officials in Mexico and, and South American countries have estimated the caravan to be somewhere around three to 5,000 people. Um, Trump has already sent about 1,000 troops to the border, and he just recently pledged another 4,000 troops um, to defending our border, whatever that means, for a 45-day deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, I, I looked up a bunch of different articles on this, and I tried to stay as, as non-biased, just the facts, um, as I could. But I wanted I was interested to know, first of all, how much that's going to cost, mm-hmm. right? And um, why so many? Why so many troops? Yeah. Um, and basically, the New York Times estimates that based on previous deployments by Bush and by Obama, um, and specifically Bush Jr. in, in 2006... Um, a 45-day deployment of 5,000 troops to California, Texas, and Arizona could cost us as much as 35 to $40 million. Jesus wept. Over 45 days. Je- yes, absolutely. I-, I don't understand. We're literally talking about a trillion-dollar deficit just this past <laughs> year. Right. And we're willing to spend $40 million, mm. potentially more, depending on what happens, and potentially less, mm-hmm. of course, you know, if he cancels the deployment or things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what interests me about this and why I'm I'm specifically calling it a little bit of maybe fear-mongering and, and trying to galvanize, you know, the Republican um, voter base mm-hmm. is because James Mattis, the Secretary of Defense – expressed publicly that he disagreed with this 5,000 troop deployment and offered instead that we send 800 troops. Mm -hmm. 800, which is still, I think, overkill. Right, right. Right? We have border protection officers. Mm -hmm. Um, But a much more sensible number, certainly. Yeah. Because unless the president declares martial law when those troops get there, they are prohibited from enforcing immigration law or engaging in border combat. They are not allowed Mm -hmm. because it's on American soil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not their job. Right. And and lastly, the caravan, this is what blows my mind, Marcus. Mm. The caravan is over 850 miles away from the U.S. border as of tonight, October 31st. And even if they manage to walk 20 miles a day, which does not sound like fun or (laughs) possible, really, They would not reach the border until after the U.S. troops have already come and gone. Their 45-day deployment will be finished December 15th. And the migrant caravan, if they walk 20 miles a day, would arrive December 16th. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what makes me think that this is all bullshit. And it's literally just about pledging a crazy amount of Mm -hmm. troops and a crazy number that he you know, arbitrarily thought up 5,000. That seems good. Yeah. Yeah. To send there because they, they're not allowed to do anything. They're just going to be sitting in tents, setting up things, you know, logistically making sure everything goes well, which is fine, except for not a great use for war hardened troops. Yeah. These people are trained to kill mm-hmm. professionally. So I, it's just one of those things. I mean, I can't say it enough. Empathy, empathy, empathy. Think about our fellow man. Yeah. These people are fleeing violence, poverty, mm-hmm. destitution in these countries. And all they want is a, a place to call home, mm-hmm. a sense of self. And meanwhile, Mike Pence is saying that it's literally impossible that, you know, no Middle Easterners are embedded in this caravan. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? I mean, it's where did where is this coming from? I just oh my. We well, you know the the funny the thing that made me laugh about this whole situation uh, last week was the fact that um, again I was watching uh, I was listening to the Daily Show and mm-hmm. they were talking about how um, 
we were talking about how uh you know with this with this caravan um you know instead of sending all these different troops mm-hmm. why are we not sending you know Cal- aid yeah well what is it sending sorry i'm looking at the numbers like so they're sending 5000 troops why not send 5000 judges to go there and get these people through our immigration system. Let's make them legal, right? Yeah. I'm like, why? Why are we? Why are we making? Why are we not looking at the again the root of the problem? If mm-hmm. if we have a quote unquote immigration problem, let's fix it. Right. Let's let's <laughs> go. Let's go into it and let let's figure out how do we make that process so much easier. How do we make it quicker? How do we make these right. people American citizens? Because if the fear is that you know they're taking your jobs and they're taking your money and all this other stuff that you know is bullshit, bullshit. right? <laughs> um, but they're doing the jobs that you don't want to do. Exactly. They're the backbone of our economy. But I digress. Continue. But if that's the but if that's if that's the concern. Well, then right. make them American citizens, and then guess what? Then you can tax them, then you can do all this other stuff, they can get right. a fair wage, you know. Um, there, there's all these there's all these different things. Now, now Mitchell, I, now, I, I'm not stupid, right? You're not stupid. We, we both no. know that, that that is indeed bullshit, right? Yeah. Um, just, of course. Just like, just like, you know, you, you hear about... Um, my favorite example is just like when you hear the excuses when cops shoot um, unarmed black men in in the ghetto, right? Or just mm-hmm. or just in the street in general. I shouldn't even just say the ghetto, just in the street in general. Um, and they, it's always like, well, they might have been, they might have been a thief, they might have been a thug, or well, right, or they're like, we found you know two grams of pot mm-hmm. in his apartment. Why are you? demonizing them but let's let's eliminate i told i told somebody i was like this is why you know as a black man i always try to put my best foot forward it's because i don't want there to be an excuse right Mm. i don't want there if i were if i were you know knock on wood if i were to get shot tomorrow oh mark i don't want somebody to be able to go on the news and say well you know he was a thug. He did this. He did that. I want I want people to be able to say like, no, he was not. He 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 was this type of person. He was a good person. He did this. He did that. He was a school teacher. You know, he loved his students. Like all these all these different things. Same thing. Same thing with uh, the same things. Same thing with uh, you know all these people that are coming up in this caravan. You know, mm-hmm. let's get them through. Let's eliminate any sort of, you know, like, oh, they might be, they might be ISIS. They might be yeah, MS-13. Demonization. Yeah, like, we'll get them through. Get them through, find out who they are, and then guess what? If they, if they do end up turning out to be MS-13, if they do end up turning out to be ISIS, if that unarmed black man was indeed holding a gun... Well then, guess what? You've eliminated the argument. There's no ar- right. there's no argument. You have your proof, right. but the problem is you're not providing any proof. All you're no. doing, all you're doing is, like you said, you're demonizing these people because for some reason you're afraid. 
and you don't need to be afraid, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, and here's another thing too, just like, you know, cause my, I, my strong belief is that like, you know, you know, white police officers are afraid of encountering black people because, uh, there are, there are black people that unfortunately have turned to a life of drugs in order to defend what's theirs. They have to, they shoot at the cops. I'm not condoning mm-hmm. it. I'm saying it's absolutely wrong. Right. But the same thing with these with these my with the with this migrant caravan, you're denying them asylum in our country. You know, the place that we want to tote all the time is the greatest country in the world. And for what? I mean, they are fleeing the violence mm-hmm. that we are about to shove in their faces. But what's and I'm going to happen, Mitchell? And here's the sad part: it's a self fulfilling prophecy because if 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 these if these people hear that like MS13 will sneak you in, they'll do this, do that. You think they won't take their side? Like right. why? Right. Why would you? I mean, that was that was to me. I mean, I, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, that was a big fear after nine eleven. Was you know you're you're harassing all of these Muslims here who are not doing anything, who are not a part of Al Qaeda, but you're treating them like they are. That's why they join mm-hmm. because you're well, giving I- them a reason to join up with these groups instead instead of saying like, hey, like. Are, are we cool? Like, what what do we need to do to keep the peace and find out who the real enemy is and who is an ally? Right. And it, it's, I hate to be, like, very nerdy for a second, <laughs> right? but it's also, it's like myth. It's like Greek myth or Norse myth, right? All mm-hmm. of those myths end up with, like, you know, you have to kill that son, um, throw him off the highest mountain, and then... Because, you know, that legendary figure threw their son off a mountain, that son survived, he grew hardened, and he learned to hate the gods and came back to kill them. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the same shit except for on an actual, real, <laughs> right, everyday scale. Mm-hmm. And what I found was also incredible was there was – and we, we should move on in a second. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the New York Times, you know, they said we sent reporters to interview people and, and we were telling them, you know, that this was becoming a hotly contested issue in American politics and the midterm elections are coming up and stuff. And most of the people said, I have no fucking clue about American politics. Politics. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, an election. What's that? Yeah, they are, they are just desperately clinging to some sort of hope, and I think that that's what baffles me so much is that we're saying, well, there's no, there's no way that there's no Middle Easterners. What? Really? We're gonna make that about this? I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't have the emotional capacity to keep going. <laughs> um. It makes me want to say fuck politics, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. But you know who did? Kanye. Man. We should step into Kanye's corner real quick and talk about these tweets. We got we to gotta go. We got to dig deep in the sunken place again. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Oh, my God. That's what you call it. We um, call it a moment. Of, it's like a moment to say space and then a moment in a sunken place. Um, oh my god! I mean, I, old Kanye would be proud. <laughs> He'd be like, "That's a good rhyme." Yeah, right. it would, old Kanye. It would. I miss 2007, Kanye. Okay, bring him back. Make Kanye great again. Put the po- put the pink polo back on, yay! Put the pink Seriously. polo back on. <laughs> um, well, you saw this first tweet, right? Yes. 
Yes, I did. He was like, my eyes are now wide open and now realize I've been used to spread messages I don't believe in. I am distancing myself from politics and completely focusing on being creative. God bless, honestly. It is. Yeah. I love for him to use his platform to speak about what he believes in, just like we were talking about earlier. You know, make your voice heard. Mm Mm-hmm. But damn, shut the fuck up, yay. Yeah. He was I mean, <laughs> it's he, been... he was getting too I mean he he got so wrapped into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessary. Like he No. And and you and, and I mean and I think I even I think I we even talked about it privately, you know, where I, I was angry at at Trump because I was like, You're taking advantage of, of somebody who's very clearly mentally ill right now. Right. And there's no and there's absolutely no reason for you to do that. Um it's it's completely um uncalled for. And hopefully Con hopefully this means that Kanye is getting some much needed help. Oh, I really hope so. Um because he I mean he just he needs it. And mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any and again, I I just feel like, you know, as I know I feel like I've said this a lot, but you know I'm no, no, I, say I feel like I need to, you know, at, you know, as as you know, a, a black man, mm-hmm. I know that it is not socially acceptable in my in my community to go to therapy. Like it's, it's seen as like a weakness, and mm-hmm. and I'm just like like it's not it's not a weakness to care about yourself. And I want no. to take care of your mental health because there's so much, there's so much more, there's so much more out there in the world today that mm-hmm. just weighs on your mental health that I'm just like, you need to find a therapist. You, if you feel like you need to get a therapist, then you need to go do that because yeah. there's no, because there's no reason for you to just live in agony and not deal with things like with Kanye, I'm I know for a f- I know I don't know for a fact, but I I'm about ninety five percent sure. <laughs> if you were to send him to a therapist, I'm ninety five percent sure that therapist would come back and say, "This will lead this leads back to your mother and your relationship with yes. your mother, and maybe even yes. and maybe even his lack of a relationship with his dad." Absolutely. I mean, I was going to say, I think it's a a masculinity thing, too. Mm -hmm. I can't speak to being a black man. And I honestly never apologize for that, Marcus. Your opinion is so valued. And I'm so grateful to have your your insight Mm -hmm. um, on the show. I I think that um, uh, it's a masculine thing, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you go to therapy and you're a man, really, you just need to suck it up. Yeah. You just need to, you can't cry in front of people. Like, that's not socially acceptable. And that might be amplified in the black community. But I think it it's also is rooted in the uh, patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what I think men today that don't call themselves feminists forget, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, the patriarchy hurts us too. Yeah. It provides inequality for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um I am unashamed, and if anybody, you know, if uh, any listeners need to hear this, I am unashamed to say that I regularly seek help. I saw my therapist this morning, and it is valuable to me mm-hmm. to go through my mental health journey privately, but still 
you know, talk publicly about it because that's what we need to do. We need to normalize it and make it so that you don't have to be, you know, suffering an incredible loss or agonizing over a specific event. You can just go see someone Mm -hmm. because it will help you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not weak. I actually think that that's some, some of the strongest, um, you know, pieces of action that we can take. Um, just like we said earlier, you know, not not what was me, not complaining. Action versus inaction. Mm-hmm. Take action. Take a hold of your mental health. Don't just say, I need a mental health day. I'm going to sit around and do nothing. Mm-hmm. No. You know, sometimes that's worth it and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need professional help. Cause some, um, cause... And if you need resources, like, reach out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I feel, I mean, I feel like... You know, again, that that really just hits the nail right on the head as far as, you know, what what Kanye's corner, especially, you know, in these last two episodes, like what it's been focusing on with mental health, Mm -hmm. with like just dealing with your mental health and saying to yourself, you know, because here's because here's this man. Right. Who arguably like I will like I will be the first one to tell you I still say this to this day. My mother makes fun of me for it. Kanye is a genius. Okay, he is. He, he, is. he is a genius, and and I feel like, you know, like regardless of whether or not you agree with me or not, it it's whatever. Like you don't ha- you don't have to like yay, all right. You don't have to, but no. but for me, I I love this dude. He has helped me through so much, um, in my own life through his music. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm never gonna I'm never gonna fully cut Kanye off. Um, But especially like in moments like this, when you start to see like him maybe coming back, getting out of the sunken place, you know, as it were, Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. that's 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 the moment, you know, you need to reach out and actually grab onto someone's hand. You know, if someone is, you know, you might have seen someone today who was in need of help and maybe they felt comfortable for once. They felt comfortable sharing with you an issue. Mm-hmm. It's your it's now your responsibility to say to that person, right? And I'm not saying like you know do be an armchair therapist to them. I'm not saying that, but it's your right. responsibility to say like, hey, hey man, like, do you want me to help you like get some help, or do you want me to help you do this? Like, what what can I what can I help you do so that you can feel just a little bit just a little bit better and i'm not i was gonna say it's not about uh you know taking responsibility for that person's emotion it's about making sure that they take responsibility for themselves Mm -hmm. right that's the thing is like i'm not trying to make sure that i take on all of your emotion i'm not your therapist that's not what i am supposed to do Mm -hmm. but if i am your friend and if i am your fellow human i need to make sure that i you know, watch you mm-hmm. build yourself back up, yeah. not try and fix you, but watch you do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, is being okay with asking for yeah. help. My, my best friend, uh, Kat, who, who ironically actually is a therapist, though she can't give me oh. actual therapist advice. Cause that'd be enough. <laughs> of course. Right. Uh, <laughs> that would cost, that would cost some money. Right. Um, but she, uh, I mean, she has been, you know, really a, a godsend from from day one for me as far as mm. um, just just 
helping me get to this point now where I do feel comfortable, you know, talking with you, talking with your mom, talking with, you know, some of my other friends to just be like, hey, I am going through this this right now and I just need to share it with somebody. And Mm -hmm. I and I would very much like it not to feel judged (laughs) when I when I say these things. And, you know, if if I if anybody, if any of them had told me, you know, had said like, like Marcus, like, you know what, you maybe you need to go see a therapist. Maybe you need to go take that moment. I'm I'm talking to people that I know, I love, I respect and I know that are not judging me, that they only are looking out Uh for my well-being. You know, right there. That's all that they want. And and like, like I said, when I talk to my friend Kat, um, you know, that's I never get that. She's never judgmental with me. It's all no. it's always like, Kat, like I know the story for you. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, let me let me put the baby down. and Let me hear the story. And it's always ends with her giving me like some sort of, you know, advice to say, like, hey, don't worry about it or just man or just a simple man that sucks and that's all i need yeah <laughs> you just need someone to literally be there for you mm-hmm. and like some the one one of the pieces of advice that uh somebody gave me mm-hmm. that just made me feel so much better and and i ask myself constantly now mm-hmm. um and then i will bring it up in therapy right like it is this question of can i do something about it right mm-hmm. now can i do something about it mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, do that thing Mm -hmm. and then be done with it, Mm -hmm. right? Like catalog it away and bring it up next time that you have that person that you can talk to, whether it be a close friend or if you're in a place like me where you need, you know, some maybe professional help, you can speak to your therapist about that. Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, if you cannot do anything about it in that moment, also file it away, Mm -hmm. right? Say, I accept it. I I feel it fully, and now I'm moving on. Because otherwise, you are just going to obsess and and freak yourself out about it for for really you know not all that it's worth. No matter what the problem is, there is a a better way to deal with it than being hard on ourselves mm-hmm. and saying I can't reach out, I can't seek help, I have to do it all by myself. That's definitely an American value. We need to work ourselves until we break Mm. that, you know, has permeated all aspects of our life. And I just want to say that that is that is not I know this got into a diatribe about mental health, but that is not what we need as human beings. Um, And I am excited. I mean, listeners, you you should check out some of these tweets that Kanye um, tweeted some of them actually made a surprisingly lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, he talked about the values that he promoted um, or that he believes in. You know, I support those who risk their lives to serve and protect us. I believe in love and compassion for people seeking asylum. Um, I support common sense gun laws. All of these things that we thought that he was distancing himself from by supporting Trump. Maybe he is finally realizing, you know, the finer details. And maybe he's finally uh, taking some time to get a little bit more educated about it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I just am so excited about because I want my I want my Kanye back. Indeed. I'm all, I, I want my Jesus Walks Kanye, Kanye back. I just want good ass job. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. I'll, literally i'll take anything at this point. Right. I'm interested to see because, you know, Yandi is actually supposed to drop pretty soon. Mm-hmm. 
it was pushed back. It's supposed to drop soon. I'm interested to see what happens. We'll, we'll have to talk about it next time on Kanye's Corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, we're going to take a little bit of a break, uh, introduce you to uh, yet another podcast that maybe you haven't gotten a chance to, um, maybe after listening to Not So Famous, maybe you want to check out this next podcast to kind of fill out your day. Um, And then when we come back, we have a very special guest for you um, in our, of course, ever so lovely, ever so wonderful uh, segment known as Inside the Everyday Artist Studio. So stay tuned for that. You know, I mean, usually whenever people start talking about doing a you know, remake of Lord I mean, look, Ring, here's like the point that I'm trying to make here, out. okay? You Barb This is what I don't understand. I mean, how could they have made a movie this bad? Who greenlit this? Who said that this was okay? Look at the adaptation that came for Yes, there's been many, but I'm talking about Come get belligerent on Popcorn Prattle Film Talk Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. You'll be glad you did. This week on Inside the Everyday Artist Studio, we have the incredible, the talented, the multifaceted Ms. Anya Russell joining us. We're incredibly pleased to have you on the show, Anya. I'm so glad we can make this happen. Anya is a good friend of mine from college. We both attended the University of the Arts, where I studied musical theater, and she studied acting. First off, welcome. We're happy to have you on the show. Yay, happy to be here. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anya, and it's a pleasure meeting you as well. I know Mitchell has already gotten the pleasure of meeting you. um, Right. But glad to finally meet you. Uh, He's told me a a bit Mm -hmm. about you, but uh, I want to know more about you. Um, And I know our listeners want to know more about you. So can you tell us just like a little bit more about your background? And I know that you are a YouTuber. That's one of the big reasons why we brought you on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and your YouTube channel just to kick us off. Okay. Well, funny thing is, I know Mitchell said that I was acting major. He was musical theater. Funny Mm -hmm. thing is, I was MT first and then I changed to acting (laughs) for various reasons. Um, but yes, I am a YouTuber. I actually started my YouTube channel years ago, but Mm -hmm. I deleted the old one that I had and then started a new one because I was not as serious about it as I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, I got serious about it three years ago. That's when I cut all of my hair off and I was like basically bald. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And (laughs) so I did like a big chop, as they say on YouTube, and I documented that journey. Mm -hmm. I discovered a bunch of hairstyles that I wanted to do. I did a bunch of crochet braids, which is a certain type of hairstyle where you braid your natural hair and Mm -hmm. then you crochet um, like single strand weave into your actual braids in your hair. And (laughs) those videos that I have are one of the most popular. Mm -hmm. I commend those videos those are the reason why i have as many views and subscribers as i have now got you got you that's really cool so so you so you basically do just like a whole bunch of different uh just kind of hair techniques um and do you do like tutorials or do you just talk about that that process or like kind of walk me through it just a little bit more 
So my YouTube channel is about a bunch of things. My okay. hair videos are the most popular. Mm -hmm. um, there are mostly tutorials. I only really do tutorials. I don't really do walkthroughs because, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that would be super duper helpful to the viewer. Mm -hmm. um, but my YouTube channel also has a bunch of story time videos. And those are really popular, too. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I was looking through... And some of them are just like story time about this crazy thing that happened to me on the subway or like <laughs> crazy thing that happened to me on the, and those have thousands of views too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Especially a prank that I did my mom. Um, that one has, uh, I think almost 200,000 views on it. And it was hilarious because it's called like the lyric prank. So you take a song and you text someone parts of the lyrics and then you just let them respond. So you do first line, respond. And this mm. one was hilarious because it was like, oh, I'm having a baby kind of thing. And it was, oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> that That is really cool. Um, now, Mitchell told me that you have 20,000 subscribers. Mm -hmm. on youtube and that that's incredible and i and i don't know for our listeners at home i don't know if anybody is you know you know, doing youtube on the side or, or you know trying or thinking about doing youtube mm -hmm. uh getting a hundred subscribers is hard um oh, yeah. getting your first thousand is hard um i am not even anywhere close to thinking about 20k <laughs> Right. And yet, you know, you know, here you are, you're talking about having 20K subscribers. That That is a hell of a lot of work. So, and, and this, is for, this is for other people, but this is also for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to know, how do you get to that point? Like, what do, you, what do yeah. you do to get to 20K subscribers? You know, like, are you going on Reddit or something? Is it just Facebook, mm. word of mouth? Like, what, what is, what's all the things that you do? Help me out, girl. Oh God. <laughs> well, and what has the journey been like to that? Like, have you found that certain videos give you a huge boost versus other things? Mm -hmm. And then how did you handle that yeah. as you found that information? Yeah. Okay. So the interesting thing about YouTube is that there is always a time and a place for something. And that's hmm. the main reason why videos get the amount of views that they have. So hmm. if I'm starting from the beginning, now I'm telling you, it takes a lot of work to get to where you want to be. Even 100 subscribers, like you said, um, it's all about finding a video that in your head you think would be helpful to a bunch of people. Not hmm. just... Um, a 20 year old girl who's just surfing the web, you know, you just want to be able to reach a broader view. And you also, one thing I realized most of my videos that have some type of honesty and humor and a glimpse of myself are the ones mm. that make it the most. Mm. Um, now when it comes to viral that's pretty random on YouTube. Um, but finding a video that really has a long life, for instance, one of my videos right now that's helping me climb the polls with the whole subscribers is a video I made about a story time about mm. my first day of work and being scared to work on the cash register. <laughs> now, I put this video out months ago mm. and I 
initially when I did it, I did it because I know there are a bunch of people out there who are scared, like mm-hmm. me, to work with cash, especially if it's your first time. You're like, oh my God, I'm working with somebody's money. I don't want to get fired, that kind of thing. <laughs> and You're like, I don't know how to handle right. change. <laughs> oh my God, I don't know how to count now. Like You get anxiety <laughs> out of nowhere. And it was so crazy. Just one night, I woke up and this video went from the only 200 views it has to the now 14,000 and climbing Mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. of only a week span or two. So that was kind of interesting for me. Videos that have a long life, knowing what people always go through. Someone's always getting a new job. The comments that I get on the channel are like, oh my God, you helped me through my anxiety. Oh, I start Burger King tomorrow. This helped me. Like it's (laughs) insane what you think people search Mm-hmm. Especially one of my top videos that I have right now is when story time anyway mm-hmm. is my first period. There are girls all over the world getting their period every single day. Like there are gonna be a bunch of people looking that up. So yeah, yeah. just a video that can have a long life. Do you plan your content in that way? Do you like think about something and then you're like, wait, that would be a really good video. It would be really searchable. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like type out a script or something for it. Or do you just kind of let's hit record and go? (laughs) Now the videos that are the most sex, sex, successful, (laughs) successful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sex, sex too. Yeah. While you're playing though. Um, no, the video... <laughs> we got Marcus. Yes. Right. <laughs> the videos that are the most successful are the ones that I just hit record and go. Mm-hmm. Of course, in my head, I have, okay, what's the gist that I'm going to talk about? And of mm-hmm. course, I have to understand the story because I don't want to stumble through or like, you know, go through that whole, do I know what I'm talking about? Of course, right. I know what I'm talking about. Because you always want to seem genuine when you're talking to the people. You want them to know that this is a real story. It's not fake. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading a script because trust me, one thing I learned about YouTube is that people know when you're faking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just in life in general. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very true. You know, and especially, and I mean, you, you know, you're saying, especially on YouTube, you know, people can you know, hit pause, go back and say, mm, you know what, that, I don't oh, buy yeah. that mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And replay it a million times <laughs> right. over. <laughs> and they have all of your mess ups right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your, uh, just a, a quick question um like what's your fan base like do you do you find that you are uh communicating to them pretty regularly or is it just kind of like you just kind of stick to the comments now when you when you ask that question are you saying like how do i communicate with them or how yeah, do i or figure like, out who to reach or do you even do you even you know take the time to communicate to them outside of just the comment section Oh, yeah. Like, me and my subscribers are, like, friends on Instagram and (laughs) Facebook, actually, and Snapchat, stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, I'm a normal person. We're all normal people out here. Mm -hmm. So, Mm. and I really appreciate, too, the subscribers that do actually um, kind of reach out to me and do try to kindle a relationship out of that. Because at the end of the day, we're all humans and we want friends. (laughs) So I feel like that's what they see me as, like a friend. And the beautiful thing about 
um, the analytics for YouTube is I can look at what audience is watching me. I can see the percentage of men and women that are watching me. And Mm. my thing that I was trying to grow is the amount of men that watch my videos Mm. because I had such a huge percentage of women. And I was like, how can I flip this? How can I make this versatile? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. trying to do videos that are really like general and not geared towards a specific sex has really been successful for me. And I have boosted my percentage of male viewers to 33% instead Mm -hmm. of the 5% that they used to be. So to me, that is important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it seems like you're following, you know, the thing that we're trying to get at with this podcast, like the, Mm -hmm. the everyday aspect of being an artist, even being a public artist, you still have to, be a normal person and find a yeah. way to express that or no one will want to yep. watch your videos or mm-hmm. listen yep. or tune in mm-hmm. because at the end of the day we want advice we want perspective yeah. and you and I were talking a little bit before the episode started about how perspective of others defines our experience as a human being exactly. and I think that's incredible that that is your basis for this YouTube channel let me think mm-hmm. of a more general experience that mm-hmm. I'm participating in that other right. people might relate to and think is funny right mm-hmm. exactly that's great yeah I have a another question kind of to go along with the fan base um, how do you how do you find that you are uh, staying humble while you're on YouTube you know, it's, it's my personal philosophy. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, doing stuff on YouTube or you're doing stuff on stage or in film or anything like that. You know, in order to continue working in the performance field, you, you've got to find that way to stay humble, to stay grounded. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, hitting 20,000 subscribers, mm-hmm. having that success, getting that you know, getting those fans and like, right. and watching as your views continue growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It does <laughs> go, it does, it can go to your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen that with YouTubers, um, you know, people like, you know, the Paul brothers, um, mm-hmm. you see them, you see like that. It's almost kind of, uh, twisted them in a way. Um, yeah. That they've just become, so hungry for views that that's all they care about. They don't care what the content is as long as it gets them views. Yeah. So how do you find that you are, um, you're staying grounded? Cause you seem very chill. So I'm, right. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you don't have a big, ain't nobody out here trying to expose Anya. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> he has the hard questions on not so famous. Right. Exactly. And I mean, I feel like the way, I'll say it's a two-parter. So Mm. the first part reason why people get a little crazy and a little twisted is the money. The Mm. money that you get from YouTube's. Um, YouTube and the sponsorships. The sponsorships are how most YouTubers make their money. Mm. So if you have this image to uphold and you know that's how you make your living and you go as a YouTuber buy that million dollar mansion and you gotta pay the bills for that million dollar mansion... A lot of people don't stay humble anymore because mm. they they find themselves in a place where they have to fend for themselves and their survival because they know that's the only way they know how to make money. That's mm. how they feed themselves. 
Now, staying humble, of course, at this point, I don't make a ton of money on YouTube. Yes, I do make money on YouTube, Mm -hmm. but also realizing you cannot do one thing. And people, I get worried for people who, for instance, like even as an actress, I still consider myself an actress, even though I'm not out there, you know, auditioning as frequently as my mother may like, but I am still, (laughs) you know... I have to tell myself, you are not a one-trick pony, Mm. and you don't have to stick to those pony moves. Mm -hmm. Do what you want to do, but don't say what you do is who you are. Mm. So once Mm. YouTubers who are successful say, I'm a YouTuber, I'm a YouTuber, that's who they become. But I'm more than a YouTuber. I'm more than this. And that's what keeps you humble, honestly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it mm-hmm. sounds like your YouTube channel is so based in your personal experience as a humble, you know, feeling artist and, mm-hmm. and woman in the world that if you didn't pay attention to your everyday experiences and stay yeah. humble, you'd lose what you've created, yes, which can. I think is the key difference between you and a lot of quote unquote YouTubers, right. <laughs> they're just out for those views. They're just like, what's the hot topic that I can talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. topic that you talk about is going to be hot because it's about your life. Exactly. That's exactly. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing that I've, I've been noticing with, you know, some of my friends that do YouTube is mm. that the ones that are getting those low subscriber counts or they're not growing as fast as other as other channels i'm like i try to tell them like you're it's you know it's like we said earlier you're not keeping it real right you're not being honest you are you're chasing after those subscribers instead and they and they see right through it you know i'm like you look at these (laughs) other you look at the other youtubers and um and i'm like they're they're so much they're so much more successful because i don't i never feel like i am being sold something I'm just right. watching somebody have the time of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's, and that's what, and that's what you have to do as a performer. Exactly. Um, and I think it's really, and I think it's really cool, you know, with YouTube and I, and, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think it's really cool that with YouTube nowadays, you know, we as actors, that is a chance for us to really make, our own thing in between, you know, you know, going to auditions um, mm-hmm. or or submitting uh, a demo reel someplace. <laughs> you know, you have that outlet to say, like, I can still perform. I can still make some money on the side while I'm still working on, you know, my my actor's journey or my performer's journey. Um, do you feel do you feel that same way or do you feel like maybe your your views as far as theater are kind of changing? Like, is it? You know, now it's a little bit of everything now. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, it's a little bit of everything because mm, mm-hmm. now there's a lot of things and reasons why I'm not like out there auditioning and sure. you know, there's there's a lot of things that happen. Life happens. Mm-hmm. Even as broad as that sounds, but it does, it happens. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you take an outlet Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. like YouTube, it allows you to do something that is in your control. And I think that's why I have grown so towards it because it's a craft that I control. Mm -hmm. I'm not going on stage, taking someone else's direction. I'm not, 
um, reading a script that I didn't write. So mm-hmm. it kind of just gives me back the control. Like I am my own person. I control <laughs> me like my fate. Like yeah. that's how it makes me feel. And I think that's important for anyone, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it does. I mean, it has changed my views on theater, particularly because we have this outlet such as YouTube, um, because you can be your own actor on YouTube. You can right. put on your own show, your own production. Now, it may not feel the same as a live performance because it is a recorded one. It is an edited right. one. But I do think it also has its benefits, just like film and television. Do you think that... I, I don't know how to phrase this, but it's like, do you think mm-hmm. one beats out the other or... Do you think that the benefits of YouTubing outweigh the benefits of of live performance, in your mind at least? In my mind, yes. Um, YouTube definitely does beat theater for me. Hmm. And Hmm. the only reason is because at a theater, the people who are coming to see your show, yes, they may travel from certain places, but that's the only time they can see you. It's not a pre-recorded something that people can look back at on Hmm. online or anything like that. Um, it doesn't, to me, YouTube opens up an outlet for other things. So like Mm. my ultimate goal, um, excuse me, my ultimate Mm. goal is to be in film and television. Mm. So many YouTubers have gotten their start in film and television because of YouTube, because someone watched them and said, wow, that shit is funny. I want (laughs) to grab them and, you know, put them in this. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's just a, such a beautiful place to find talent. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like you're performing on YouTube as yourself or as like a created character of yourself? That's something I'm interested in because, right. I mean, as an actress, you need to portray people that you a are role. not. But this is right. YouTube. It's about you. It's about mm-hmm. your experiences. Now, that's a two-parter. I was saying two-parter. That's, I don't know. Everything's a two-parter to me. So <laughs> It's like a coin, right? Right, it is. Uh, flip side, flip side. So on, if, if we're doing that, so mm-hmm. YouTube, in a way, I feel like, I just forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Go to the, the second difference part. between uh, the second part, Marcus. The difference between you as a performer right. and you. No, I got it. I got it. It's back. Okay. It's back. It's back. There we go. Okay. So, me as a performer, when I'm doing my hair tutorials, that's mm. Anya. That's strictly Anya. I'm mm. not performing. When I'm doing my story time videos, that's an Anya I am. I don't want to say conjuring. That's the wrong word on Halloween. But that's like me. I'm like creating who I was in that moment to portray the story. Because Mm -hmm. if I just say it in a like chill Anya way, you know, I I shouldn't say chill Anya way. But if I say it in a way where the story doesn't have purpose. It doesn't mm -hmm. have urgency, right? Like it loses its... Exactly. It uses the ism that makes people want to come and watch it, period. Mm. Um, You have to put on a little performance and not one where it's falsified, but you want to kind of bring them back. Like, you know, when you're talking to your friends and then you're telling them what happened, you're like, yo, I saw this crazy dude on the subway. You know, he did this and this like 
that's how you have to come. You have to come with that same energy you had in that moment. So they live it with you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely a conjuring of something of another character versus just being myself as right. focused Anya versus telling the story Anya. <laughs> but we do that. We do that in in theater, too. I mean, when, you know, I I always learned when I was in, in college you know, when you get off, when you step out of your apartment, right, and you're going to that audition, yep. you, you don't know who you're going to run into. No. Nope. You know, you could, I, I heard this one story um, where my professor knew this guy who left his apartment, went to Starbucks, was on the subway, was mean, was horrible to this dude, um, got off the subway and went to Starbucks because they were showing up late. Uh, showing up early to the audition and the same dude was in the in line mm. and just kept messing with him kept messing with him kept messing with him so he finally gets starbucks going over goes over his lines goes upstairs to the studio who's sitting behind the desk as the stage manager mm. this dude that he's been messing with all morning wow and before he even gets before he even gets a chance to go to the audition he's like hold on one second Goes inside, tells the director. <laughs> director doesn't even see the person. Mm. Yeah, Mm-mm-mm. I mean, we we and, and and to prevent that, you know that that's what we learn. We're like, look, you're showing, you are the product. Yes, you are. You are the you are the company. Your your product is you. You are the CEO mm-hmm. of your own product of your own company, and it's up to you to yeah. you know do your own advertising do your own footwork do this yes, do that not everybody can afford to to get an agent yeah. you know mm-hmm. you got to do it on your own you got to make something for your own and when you do that you've got to also present the best version of yourself right. the best version of myself you know if i go up to uh, you know if i go to an audition or if i'm talking to a director i'm not being quiet marcus you know, right. <laughs> I'm being I'm being the markets that you want to hire and spend the next six six months to a year with. Mm-hmm. That's who you want. That's who I want you to hire. Right. Um, I don't want you to hire the quiet person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do kind of have to adopt this persona. Mm-hmm. And and I I feel like people sometimes they they think it's like like oh you're just being phony. No. Nope. You know, it's it's the it's a heightened version of yourself. Like it's my own personality. It's just that I don't act like that all the time. But that doesn't mean I'm being phony. It just means that I'm in the business for myself and this is what I want. It kind of reminds me of like a first date. You know Mm -hmm. how like you put on the costume Mm -hmm. and like make sure every detail is perfect and you're Mm -hmm. like I need to eat with my fork and knife a mm-hmm. certain way right. so that they don't know that I'm a food addict. Right. Um, it's like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was saying this to someone else, you know, everybody wears a mask when they step out of their home yes, because yeah. it's who we need to portray ourselves yeah. as so we can protect ourselves. Right. Um, but I think theater people have a step above that. Like everybody has a mask and we have like an entire costume there you go. Like, yeah. and a set behind us. Mm-hmm. And Marcus, mm-hmm. just like you're saying, you know, creating, um, kind of like an aura of vibe that you get off. Like right. that is what right. we do as theater artists right. too. It's create a, 
a set and a vibe so that when you walk in or in this case, when you see that person, you Mm -hmm. immediately kind of take them in and say, whoa, what's that? I'm interested. Yep. I want to figure it out. And to piggyback off of that, that's what you're doing in a YouTube video. You literally create a set. You have to have the setting. You have to have everything that you want to have lined up. Mm -hmm. Even so in my videos, now everyone has a difficulty saying what my name is pronounced as. So when I began my videos, for the most part, before the whole Kanye thing happened, I would say, what's up, YouTubers? My name is Anya. Rhymes with Kanye. And that was my way of saying, you better say my name right. Right. (laughs) You know, and this is also my way of saying, this is who I am. This is my personality. This Mm. is who you should associate, not with me now, but like, you know, it's, (laughs) you know, it's kind of finding a way to judge yourself up for that first date when someone clicks on your video. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Thank you so much for being here. This was incredible. I feel like I learned a lot. Marcus, did you get what you wanted out of this <laughs> conversation? I did. I got exactly what I wanted, and I'm about to hit 20,000 subscribers myself now. <laughs> All right. Well, one can only hope. Hopefully. Thank you so much to Anya Russell. It rhymes with Kanye, but we're not talking about him. Right, right now. Listen to the rest of this episode. We're going to talk about him a little bit. Yeah. Um. Thank you all so much for joining us. Big thank you to Marcus for producing this episode. And again, to Anya for being our special guest today on Inside the Everyday Artists Studio. Um, And also another huge shout out to Courtney Mathis for designing our incredible logo. Check her out at CourtneyMathis.com if you want a killer design made by someone professional, quick, and incredibly talented. Marcus, did you have any last words? Uh, I, I mean, I just real quick, I just wanted to make sure. So Anya, just so that we make sure that, you know, our subscribers, they, they definitely go check you out. Go mm-hmm. guys, go subscribe, please. Um, <laughs> you know, is there, is it just Anya Russell that they need to look up or is there like a special, do you have a special YouTube persona that you want them to go to? No, it's just all me. So it's just Anya Russell. Got you. Then that's all I need, brother. <laughs> Perfect. And you can find me at Mitchell Hansen on Facebook or uh, on Twitter at the original MDH. And Marcus, where can people find you? Uh, folks at home, you can always uh, listen to me on my other podcast, Popcorn Prattle. Uh, mm. where we talk about films, we talk about movies, we talk about movie news, and I'm probably on there fighting with Steven, but it's okay. It's all good, clean family fun. Uh, <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore Leroy, L-A-R-O-Y. Um, can't wait to talk to you guys, most definitely. Awesome. Okay, well, nice. that's it. We did it. <laughs> yeah, it was nice talking to you. Absolutely, nice talking to you as well. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. This is awesome. I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs>